Hello, everyone. Lay Nordland here on the Northern Ag Network, and today we are talking about fake meat and what that is and the impact it could possibly have on the beef industry right here in the United States. And joining us here today is the NCBA's Danielle Beck. And Danielle, just last week at the 2018 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show, fake meat was one of the top five policy priorities that the NCBA leadership identified. What is fake meat and why should beef producers across the United States be concerned about it? Well, and there are two issues at hand right now. Uh, recently, we've seen more and more products coming to the market that are plant-based alternatives to traditional meat. Uh, we've seen burgers that bleed like meat, it, they sizzle like meat, and you know perhaps they even taste and smell like beef, but they're not beef. And some of their product labeling and the way that they're packaged, it, it's quite misleading to consumers. On the other hand, we're hearing quite a bit of chatter about something called lab meat. Uh, there's new technology that allows scientists to harvest cells uh, and grow meat in a Petri dish. To us, uh, that's fake meat. Uh, you know, beef has a great story to tell, uh, and we want to ensure that as new products come to the market, regardless of whether they're grown in a lab or made from plants, uh, that they're not misleading to the consumer and they do not disparage traditionally grown beef. So, Danielle, there's a lot of folks out there, anti-animal agriculture advocates, that want to see an end to ranching and animals being raised out in the countryside. And they're throwing a lot of money behind this fake meat movement. They don't, they don't want people eating real beef. They see animals as individuals and that we shouldn't raise them for consumption. They're throwing a lot of money behind this. You're correct, Lane. Uh, and, you know, we're concerned because not only are they throwing a lot of money behind this, but it's our understanding there are specific groups working to get the, uh, the fake meat and lab meat industry to coalesce around the term clean meat. And clean meat implies that traditional beef is dirty, and that's not acceptable for us. You know, we've got a great story to tell. Out of all the animal agricultural proteins, beef is the most sustainably produced. We've got a safe, affordable, and nutritious product out there. And it's, it's just simply not right for anyone to imply that our, our product is subpar. And also, you can walk down the grocery store aisles, especially where milk is. And the dairy industry, they had a, they're suffering with prices because there's a lot of alternatives to milk that comes from a cow. There's a lot of soy-based and uh, almond-based products out there that call themselves milk. That potentially, it, I think that's a good example of what could happen to the beef industry these labels are misleading consumers and thinking that it's a better alternative to the actual real product. Am I correct there? Well, Lane, I think that traditional beef, real beef, uh, we can compete with any other product out on the market, and, and we do. Um, so as new products come to the shelf, we're not concerned about whether or not they might be better than us, but we are concerned that misleading labels could confuse the average consumer. You know, if you're a mom at the grocery store, you're going to grab the first thing you see at times, especially if you're rushing through trying to get home after dinner to make work. So we want to make sure that these products are clearly labeled uh, in a way that differentiates real beef from fake beef. And last week, our, our members in policy passed official policy designed to protect consumers from that. But really, uh, that was just a formal acknowledgement of work that we've been doing for the last year now. Now let's talk about how these fake meats are going to be looked at and how maybe USDA and the FDA will classify fake meats and how consumers will be able to understand fake meat from real beef raised on our ranches across the nation. 
Well, that's an excellent question, Lane. Uh, this is a very complex issue. Uh, USDA has exclusive jurisdiction over animal slaughter and the subsequent processing of meat and poultry, while FDA has jurisdiction over all other food products. This isn't a clear-cut issue because lab meat uh, doesn't involve the slaughter of, of an animal. So, you know, we've been having conversations with the regulatory bodies at, at play uh, to try and determine what the best path forward is. Uh, this is so nuanced that, you know, we've really wanted to make sure that we have all of our ducks in a row, our facts in an order, and we're approaching this in a, a pragmatic way. We, there are a number of questions as to whether or not USDA will consider synthetic meat to be meat uh, within the meaning of the Federal Meat Inspection Act uh, and then therefore claim jurisdiction. Or, you know, will FDA claim jurisdiction and try to classify synthetic meat as a food additive uh, and establish greater regulatory control? Or would they try and classify it as a drug and regulate it under the new animal drug application process? Um, or, you know, would there be any labeling requirements if it does go under FDA uh, that might be imposed as a result of the genetically modified organism uh, or the biotech labeling framework and regulations that were enacted into law over a year ago now. And Danielle, what uh, we we have this policy in place that the NCBA leadership, the ranchers that make up the organization that was set last week. So, what is the DC crew, uh, the the crew that advocates on the hill on behalf of the ranching industry? What what are your main priorities, and and what uh, what's your goal? at the end of the day with this fake meat and advocating for the industry itself? At the end of the day, uh, we want to protect consumers from false and misleading labels, and we want to protect beef nomenclature. Um, we have a great story to tell, and we want to ensure that as new products come to the market, uh, they don't disparage our products and they don't take away from that story in any way. You know, we're committed to working with USDA and FDA, uh, and we'll engage with the Hill as needed as they determine, you know, who's going to take – uh, who's going to regulate these products uh, and how they'll be brought to the market. You know, as the alternative protein market grows, we want to ensure that, you know, fake meat uh, is labeled accurately. And, Danielle, is there anything else you would like the listeners across Northern Ag Network country to know about uh, anything that the NCBA team out in D.C. is working on and, and how are things are looking moving into 2018? Listen, this is a really complex issue. We have been working it uh, for just about a year now, we're continuing to have conversations with both regulatory bodies, uh, and we're committed to working with them to ensure that uh, new products, alternative products, fake meat, uh, is, is brought to the market in a way that does not disparage beef. It's my understanding that some other organizations are in trying, trying to engage in this, uh, but we're not clear that the approach they're taking is, you know, maybe even an effective one. A petition was submitted to FSIS today, you know, a petition isn't necessarily an effective approach. Two days ago, FSIS issued a final response to a petition that was submitted to them in October of 2014. We want to make sure that this is addressed quickly uh, and it's addressed in, in the best way possible. And so we're, we're working this process uh, in a pragmatic way. And, you know, we've made a commitment to our producers to get this done this year. Well, Danielle, thanks for joining us here today on the phone from Washington, D.C., the NCBA's Danielle Beck. And for more on NCBA and their efforts to represent the ranching industry on the Hill in Washington, D.C., make sure and visit them online at ncba.org. Reporting for the Northern Ag Network, I'm Lane Nordmond.